fiction writers. If you've set a goal of finishing a publishable draft in a year's time and are looking for an in-depth resource to help you through each step of the writing and publishing process, Author Accelerator Certified Book Coach Susan DeFridis has an exciting new offering you won't want to miss. Workshops Against Empire includes five courses on story structure, crafting scene, mastering POV, querying and pitching, and more, with the goal of helping you reach your goal with confidence. It's an immersive program that's available in a variety of formats and price points, including a self-paced DIY course bundle. To learn more about the course and the year-long group coaching program coming next year for fiction writers, visit bookcoaches.com backslash podcasts to sign up for a free sneak peek with Susan DeFridis and Author Accelerator CEO Jenny Nash that promises to include tips you can use now to finally finish that work in progress. Learn more at bookcoaches.com backslash podcasts. Is it recording? Now it's recording. Yay! Go ahead. This is the part where I stare blankly at the microphone and try to remember what I'm supposed to be doing. All right, let's start over. Awkward pause. I'm going to wrestle some papers. Okay. Now one, two, three. Hey, I'm KJ Delantonia, and this is Hashtag Am Writing, the podcast about writing all the things, short things, long things, fiction, nonfiction, pitches, proposals. We're the podcast about sitting down and getting your work done, and we are back. We are back. This is Jess Leahy. I am the author of The Gift of Failure and The Addiction Inoculation. And you can find my work other places like The New York Times, The Washington Post, and The Atlantic. I'm Serena Bowen. I'm the author of more than 30 romance novels, and my new one is called I'm Your Guy, coming October 10th. All right. It is September 2023, if you are listening in real time. And if you listen to us in sequence, um, it has been a while since you heard us all together, all in the same place uh, vaguely at the same time that you're listening. So we're pretty excited to be talking to to everyone again. <laughs> and I thought we'd just have a little bit of a catch up, do um, talk about what we're all working on. And especially I demand that we talk about what I am working on. So I'll just lay it out there right away. Next week is my publication week for playing the witch card. It is a kind of an unusual publication, so we thought we would spend some time talking about that because it's going to stretch out in ways that these things don't usually. Um, So we're going to talk about the semi-joyful experience of preparing to have this book come out and what I have done and what I haven't done and what I um, wish I hadn't done, I guess. I don't know. We'll come up with some things. But before we do... Kids, what 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 is happening? It's been, you know, it's been a hot minute. So much first? has happened, especially since the last conversation we had was, I, I think about sort of where work was going to go this summer, was my swearing you to solidarity to help me with various dates throughout the summer. So where we left off at the beginning of the summer was I had decided to give this um, novel the old college try, and I was going to try to get it done over the summer. I thought this would be the perfect thing to happen over the summer. And then um, about 
I think a month in and I was doing great. I hit my deadlines. I had my full, my full outline done. It's still just sitting there. Um, I have some scenes that I have written. I have a couple of full chapters that I have written, but it has sat idle because about a month into the process. And by the way, I still hate it. I still <laughs> hate writing fiction. I hate um, how awful it sounds. I hate how bad I am at it. And by bad, I mean, um, it's the first time I'm doing it. So of course I'm not great at it. It's not, it, I've just never done this before. It's a completely new experience to me, but it is also not joyful to me in the same way that nonfiction is. So anyway, I was sitting about a month after we got, uh, I got some novel process work done and I'd hit my first deadline to have my full outline. Uh, I was talking with my husband, Tim, about this idea I'd had for a nonfiction proposal that just didn't work with my agent a while back. And we were talking about what didn't work and what did work. And suddenly I hit on this new idea, a tweak on it that suddenly made all the pieces fall into place in the same way that back when we were talking about how the idea came for addiction inoculation, it's like dance around topics, dance around topics. Some are good, some are bad. They work, they don't work. And then suddenly cha-chunk. And it was one of those moments again for me. And luckily I had meetings coming up with my new agent at Harper Books, someone I'm very excited about. And I decided to have a meeting with our, my agent, Lori, about um, about this idea and how to approach a meeting with a new editor, because I've also never had that before. So I thought it'd be fun to sort of just talk about that. And both my agent and my editor are very excited to see the proposal for the new nonfiction book. So um, yeah, it was a big switch in the middle of the summer, but I have to say it was a switch that filled me with glee, filled me with happiness, filled me with fulfillment. <laughs> it felt like coming back home. Um, Tim said he hadn't seen me that fired up about something since I first started writing the addiction inoculation. You know, I, I still maybe probably will finish this novel someday, but I'm having the best time ever. I mean, it feels like it's it's what I love about writing. It's all the things it's and I realize what I love and actually I have to say what what I've distilled it down to is the thing I love most about writing nonfiction is doing all that research and finding the threads, the threads between. And it's this is also what I enjoy most about other people's writing, whether you're talking about a Malcolm Gladwell or an Adam Grant or other people that mine the data out there and come up with those beautiful threads that help make people understand ideas in a new way. That's where I find my joy, my bliss, my I even tweeted um, that when things are really grooving when I'm writing, I do this really weird thing where I move my foot like I'm at a piano. I do not play piano, but I move my foot like I'm at a piano manipulating the pedals because it feels like making music. I mean, it feels like what I would imagine really playing a piano beautifully would be like. And yet it's writing. I don't know. It's a weird synesthesia kind of thing, but I'm um, having that experience again. So I hope our listeners will forgive me for not um, following through with my beginning of the summer plans, but um, I am really, really blissed out doing what I'm doing. So I have a third book proposal that I'm hoping to submit this fall and I'm well on my way. And as happens when you start doing the research, new cans of worms open up, but that's all good. It's so much fun. Well, we didn't do anything bad to you when you didn't um, live up <laughs> I to. was so worried to tell you I, I like there it was probably a couple days before I broke it t 
to Serena and KJ because I was like, what are they going to say? Do they, are they emotionally invested in my writing the fiction? What, you know, we've spent time talking about it. Um, I think, I, I don't know, I was worried about it, but I was very happy to get the support that I did. You, you seem so much happier. Yeah. Yeah, I am. I am. And like I said, still love that story. My character, she's sitting out there. She's just waiting for me to come back to her. And I still think about it a lot and I still write scenes, but it's not as much fun as what I'm doing now. Well, you should do what you want to do for sure. Well, also, Lori said, uh, my agent said, I was talking about how much I hate writing fiction. And she said, well, there must be something fun about it or you wouldn't be doing it. And I had to stop and think. And I'm like, no, there's nothing fun about it, except for maybe the like the cogitation, the thinking about the ideas. That's fun. But yeah. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> imagining writing the book is definitely the best part. It really yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. I like that part, too. Yeah. So what'd you well, do this I'm summer, definitely... KJ? Oh, what'd you do this summer, Serena? Yeah, definitely. Let's let's hear from Serena. Yeah. I'm going to be talking, man. I'm going to be talking all the talkings. <laughs> okay. Well, mine will not take that long. I'm definitely on the struggle bus with um, the thriller number two. It's just hard, and it requires a different level of planning than any romance I've ever written. So that has really been slow moving and I thought maybe on book the second one I could maybe pick up the pace and it just hasn't turned out that way so it's been a lot of like moping around feeling stuck and trying things and ripping up things that I'd already tried but you know that's I guess that's the job and um I'm trying to make my peace with the pace basically and yeah that's that's my summer I don't think I've ever heard an author talk about the experience of writing their second or their third or whatever and not say, man, I thought this would be easier and yet it is not. So sometimes you hear that saying about, you know, every time I sit down at the at the blank page, I'm like, oh, my gosh, what do I do? I've never done this before. And yet there's a little bit of that. I mean, at least, you know, it will be OK. You've done this before. But there, the blank page is an intimidating thing. And, and so is, you know, unraveling um, problems in a book or, you know, conflicts in a book, that kind of thing. It just takes forever. And to get it right, just takes, I mean, you have to, you have to write it to figure out, or at least I do. And I know there are people that are not like this, but I kind of have to write it to figure out what I meant to write. And then I have to write it again. And I was really hoping I'm in the middle of, and we're, we're going to talk about something different, but um, I'm in. I'm drafting what I hope will be book four. And I, I think I'm just going to go back and start over. Like I've, <laughs> I had a draft and people have read it. and it won't be like, and this is completely about totally different people. But I just think that I've changed so much that this is the, the, the better thing to do is going to be to pull pieces of what I wrote into a new draft rather than um, take the old draft and write from there. And I've, I've counseled others to do that too. Can so, I ask a technical question? Sometimes question. that's better. Can I ask a technical question about how you do that? So let's say you have a book that is just not working. Do you actually start a whole new project in Scrivener or wherever you're writing it and just start from scratch and then keep that other thing over there and lift pieces? Yeah, I could see how it would be too hard I guess, to do it the other way. I even did that in the final revision of playing the witch card about which more shortly. Um, it was a pretty 
big, there was a big lift of of revision involved with my editor around the holidays of last year. And yeah, I, I did. I started an entirely new mm-hmm. Scrivener document because it's much easier to work. Once you have a whole book as a Word document, if it is possible not to work within that Word document, you're going to be a lot happy. I mean, at some points you kind of have to once your editor is putting like, Once you're in the point where the editor is adding changes and you're adding changes. But even then there were things that I took out and just like wrote a whole new thing and then just stuck it back into the book. So, but yeah, but even doing it, document management, there is a thing. Even doing it that way though, I would think it would be confusing, you know, when you're going back for parts and is this new or, but I I hadn't, I think I told this story before, but when I was rewriting one of, I don't remember which book it was. I accidentally worked on an old version of a chapter once. And, you know, the way I write is- I did have done that. So when you say you're working in a Word document, you're meaning like you've written it in Scrivener and you've compiled it and it's now in Word. Yeah, so I'm talking about sort of two different messy things. And one is I'm doing a big revision and maybe I've put it all into a Word document for my agent or for my editor, but I am not at the point um, it's not the point where like you're needing to use track changes, right? Or they're putting in changes. Um, even there was a point even when my editor was putting in changes, but I was just I just took the chapter out and then mm-hmm. added them manually because it was too. It, there, I needed to change too much. To sometimes you just can't work in track changes. If you're going to rewrite four pages, track changes is going to send you like off a cliff. So, you know, then I, I just can't. So for this book, but though to come back to book four, mm-hmm. maybe, um, I wrote a draft, I compiled it and stuffed it into a Word document, which I gave to both my agent and also in freelance editor that I hired. And um, now that I have done that and have talked it over with both of them, I am going to start a whole new Scrivener document and just pull things in as they fit because so much I think is going to change. I think it's going to be easier. Do you have any kind of outside document, outside outline that you're using to sort of guide that new process? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I work actually making that outline is what I'm really working on like this. And this, this does not look like an outline. This looks like, this is just, I've, I've like, you know, got, a three-act structure set up, and then I'm just stuffing things mm-hmm. underneath them. And right now, no one... This is, It looks like the inside of my head right now. To me, <laughs> it's an outline. It wouldn't be an outline to anyone else on the whole planet. So, but, um, yeah, I mean, and, and it's, it's good to have sort of written it and now be realizing, okay, these, these pretty large things need to change. But also, I spend... I just... Every morning I recite the mantra that Serena gave me, which is don't make it more complicated, make it worse. (laughs) Not worse, like here's my draft, it's worse now. (laughs) But like worse for the protagonist. (laughs) I think you gave that to me. Oh no, (laughs) well one of us got it from somewhere and it's very good advice. Don't just, don't complicate things for your person, make them worse. And I, I really have, I just think that constantly because I am such a complicator. 
I'm like, but what if, you know, in the backstory, (laughs) in the story that appears nowhere in the book, but only in my head. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Those are the best ones to write, by the way. I'm so good at those. Maya, if you could just, if y'all could just come into my head and like enjoy the story with me. Actually, cool story, cool story about that. Um, You know, the show Last of Us, I watched because my daughter had been so into the video game. And and so and I'm not a big like zombies. I never watched Walking Dead kind of thing, but I loved Last of Us. And episode three is the one that everyone talks about so much because it is a love story. And what's fascinating to me about episode three that stands alone, as I think one of the most beautiful pieces of television I've ever seen, um, is that was never in the original game. The guy who wrote the game was like, oh, here's an interesting idea. I had this backstory for this character in my head and this other guy, like he's not even in it, but wouldn't it be cool if we brought this entire backstory that has never lived anywhere except in my head to this show so that we could gives some nuance to this character and it ended up being the standout episode of the entire thing mainly because the narrative structure was so different from the rest of the show i mean yes it's about people and relationships and zombies and all that stuff but this one was a very close it all takes place in this one house between these two characters and it just stands out to me as one of the best things i've ever seen on television and i love that it just came out of, you know, it was like this extra. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. I did not know that. Yeah. It's a fantastic episode. Episode three, The Last of Us. Check it out. You don't have to. In fact, it's so good and so separate that you could watch it as a standalone and you don't need anything else. But my understanding is that you will cry. Oh, my goodness. Yes, you will cry. Yeah. So, you you know, only if you want to cry buckets, which I don't really. So. If you want to see a good love story, though, it's worth it. Okay. So, anyway. I'll take your word for it. For the moment, anyway. Okay. Perhaps right. at a later date. Perhaps at a later date. <laughs> so, well, the other thing that I have been doing is trying to launch playing the word witch card into the world. And it's been, it's really interesting and different on a lot of levels. First of all, September is a great time to have a book come out because everyone's back and they want to read. And this is a very, obviously, a very autumny book. And yay, um, uh, you know, but the problem is that to have a book come out in September, you have to do a lot of stuff in August. And August is not a good month for doing a lot of stuff. And it's crowded. September is crowded. There's that book releases. Yeah, but I'm not, I mean, there, there is, there is the fact that like, you know, Zadie Smith and uh, uh, just a whole slew of massively amazing mm-hmm. Lauren Goff have uh, literary authors have books coming out this month. I'm not in that, like, I'm mm-hmm. not in that wheelhouse. There are a lot of books coming out at the same time as mine that are also witchy, spooky, great books. But the difference there is you might pick if you're going to read like this large, chunky literary book this fall or this large, chunky literary book this fall. But if you're a person who reads fun, witchy books, you're probably going to read all the fun, witchy books, Mm -hmm. or at least something close to all might be impossible. So that isn't the crowded thing is it's hard probably to get attention. Um, And that is definitely true. But there's also some degree of what I hope at least to be natural attention that comes with having a book that so easily slots into categories in September and October. I mean, if you're making a list of the witchy releases, 
yeah. here you go. Like you, you hopefully would not miss mine. So, so yeah, it's crowded, but it was more just, I, you know, I, I needed to spend August. Like they were like, here, write some essays. I am not convinced that writing essays for anything helps mm -hmm. to, I mean, maybe if you read my essay and real simple, you go and look up the mm -hmm. book. And it's a massive amount of work. There is no part of release, to me anyway, that's more labor intensive than excerpts. Right. Well, it's, yeah. sadly, it's not yeah. excerpts. You have yeah. to write, you know, they're yeah, like, exactly. how about an essay about, you know, what it's like to have grown children when you were used to having small children at Halloween? And I was like, I don't want to read that. I don't want to write that. I don't want to think about that. Um, I, you know, I could. Anyway, to sum up, I didn't. Um, I wrote an essay, which I think maybe y'all will be reading in Lit Hub if you so desire. Um, so I'm excited about that. They liked it. I have to revise it and hopefully they will still like it. Maybe they won't. So might not happen. But anyway, I wrote an essay and it's not for what I, I honestly, how many, what, what is the Venn diagram overlap between Lit Hub and playing the witch card? Eh, probably not that big, but I <laughs> can was I, pleased and I, I like add Lit Hub. Can I add a layer to the crowded discussion that just for our listeners, it's just an added, it's, this is what happened. Um, so it, it's a crowded September, which me meant for me as someone who likes to help other people promote their books and as someone who gets asked for blurbs, it's not just a crowded September now. It was a crowded spring when I was being asked to possibly blurb those books. It's a crowded August, September, when people are like, it's time to help me promote my book. And I yeah. got, and so for me, you know, I have actually a stack that has been sitting on my desk of all of the books that are coming out that I need to have in my brain that I promised, like, especially when I said, I can't blurb this book right now because I've just, I've got too much, but definitely count on me in September when this book comes out. So now I'm understanding an added layer, which is, you know, when my editor is thinking about what season to bring a book out in or what month to bring a book out in, it's not just about the fact that there might be competition in sales. There's also competition in publicity because there are some, and especially for nonfiction right now, nonfiction parenting slash education, there are some, Yeah, September is the month for that of great, and they're all good as, I mean, I have a stack of great books that I want to say, this is fantastic. And now I feel I'm being like, no, really, no, this one is, no, this one is fantastic. So anyway, that's I'll be having layer. schizophrenic Instagram in which I excitedly share <laughs> one of my yeah. friends' books on yeah. that topic on my pub day, while also yeah. <laughs> providing you with a great deal of witchy cookie content. Um, yeah, plus, it's, that's tough. That balance, don't this that, person. that balance is so hard because we can't expect people to support us without supporting other people. And I really, really want to be there. And yet that is, that's a tough challenge, especially when it's your pub day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we actually had, just for the listeners, we had a fantasy thing. Uh, the three of us had like a, we were texting about the potential for this one project that, um, had come up as a hypothetical, as a, a ghostwriting experience. And I'm like, but can you imagine you get to write something for money that you then don't have to go out and publicize for the next decade? Can you imagine? It was like this 
crazy thought in my head because the publicity and the marketing, it's so much work. It's just so much work. And so, you know, we're here, KJ. We are here, but we can't do a lot of the <laughs> no, work. No, and it's really, it's really, I mean, so I have a lot of things that I want to do that are fun, but they just take time. So it would have been lovely if I had spent August preparing social media posts and I had excellent intentions and I did some, um, but you know, you really, it, it, it's this crazy brave new world in which a, a better use of my time is probably writing another book, but I, a good use of my time is sharing this one. So, um, I have, you know, I have literally 20 TikTok videos lined up. <laughs> They're not completely ready to go because there's like some music and, and stuff like that that needs to be messed with them. Um, and whether those will do anything, I don't, I I can't tell you. I feel like TikTok's booby prize is like 250 views. So a lot of things I do get so, that. So KJ, very exciting. You and I talked about the fact that while on Instagram, I see a variation in my numbers for my daily reels, you know, like one might hit and it'll get more shared or whatever. TikTok has been so frustratingly consistent. I get the exact same number of views, almost exact same number of views 247, every day. 247, 253, exactly. 249. Yeah. Exactly. Except for day before yesterday. I had my very first video and I have to say it's not a lot. I'm looking it up right now. Um, it's not a lot, but it's more than I usually get. Yep. 1,079 views. For That's a lot. That's it was. So we'll see. We'll see. I don't know if that's a trend or if that's an aberration, but we'll find out. <laughs> I don't know either, but I really, I worked, um, I got someone to, to help me. I talked to my kids. I worked on really doing what book talk is interested in um, and creating that kind of thing, which unfortunately is different than what you do for reels. So I really put some some attention into it only because this book has book talk appeal. Like I didn't, yeah, yeah. Uh, this, this one, there's a whole sort of witchy book talk and, and I feel like people actually are going to want to hear about this one. So I did bother and we'll see whether, you know, whether it comes to anything. So I did that. And now my big lift at the moment, and I, this is something everyone should do. So, I'm going to have a page and I will link it here. I'm going to put a note here, link page. So if you want to help me promote playing the witch card, which you absolutely should, and it doesn't matter when you listen to this, help me go to the show notes um, and there'll be a link and it's going to take you to a Google Doc, which will have all the different stuff somebody might want. So a couple of different Instagram posts, a couple of different reels, a couple of different things that could be your story, some text for each of those, some hashtags for each of those, and even a couple of potential TikTok videos and a couple of tweets, um, or what are they called now? X's. X's. I don't know. Who knows? I still call them. Okay. Tweets. I might not even, but, um, so, but it'll have everything. Or if you want to put it in your e email newsletter, which please put it in all the email newsletters, here's some text. So it'll have all that. And then eventually after the publication date, which this, 
this will be after the publication date. Yeah, you guys aren't going to hear from me until this is actually live. So you can go right now and you can review it. Um, I'll put links for the places to review it. So I'm going to have that. That is the really the only thing. Like if I don't have anything else ready to go, that is the one thing that has to be that has to be ready. Yeah. So I'm working yep. on that. So that's my big lift for the rest of today and probably beyond because it doesn't sound like it would take very long. It's like, oh, I'll just throw a few things. No, it it is it I'll probably I will try to figure out like how much time that takes me and um and tell you because it isn't gonna yeah. be nothing. It's probably gonna take me six hours. For the listeners who think that um, there's some fantasy world out there where like the biggest, biggest authors don't have to do any of this, you should know that I just got an email the day before yesterday from a many times over bestselling New York Times bestselling author who has a new book coming out asking the people that have supported this author in the past to support this book. And uh, happily, I will do it happily so. Um, but lest you think that, I guess Stephen King doesn't have to do this, but lest you think you can get to a point where you don't have to, you know, at least do some of this administrative work around Pub Day. It's everyone's and even Stephen, Stephen King must be doing something because yeah. in the brief period of time that I spent on Instagram today, um, Someone had screenshotted an article. I I don't know. I remember nothing about this other than the headline, but it was an article called Stephen King played Mambo Number no. 9 so many times his wife threatened to divorce him. <laughs> Where that came from? Why? What the history behind that is? I have no idea, but clearly Stephen King's out there talking to the media yeah. right now because yeah. his book, Holly, published yeah. um, this week as we're so recording. Got a good, so I read the, it'll be last read week by the time you hear this. I read the New York Times review of it, and uh, and it looked it got a great review. So I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'll listen to it when I can go, listen to go, things other than go Stephen King. But yeah, I mean he. Yeah. And the thing is, I think, um, you know, it's hard to imagine a world in which you make so much money from your books that you don't need any of this. But it, it exists for some people. But you still want people to read them, presumably. Like if he didn't want people to read his books if he just he doesn't have to write them anymore right I mean he must have a great deal of money he's not he's he's not in it for the bucks even though he's he's making them and and the best writers are like that I mean you yeah. know you're not gonna see you know I doubt Casey McQuiston has like you know retire and live a life jetting and yachting kind of money from from her books but she could probably stop like if she wanted to rest mm -hmm. on her lord they uh, wanted to rest on their laurels at this point, then they could, yeah, right? Yeah. But they're not gonna because that's you know uh, that's Plus, not. I want to hear nobody's in I... the, nobody's in this for the cash. <laughs> well, and also I don't. You know, the thing that gets me excited to read a book is when an author is like, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this one. I can't wait for you guys to read this one. It's That's true. I had fun writing it. So yeah, mm -hmm. I, that's the part I'd like to hear from people. Um, yeah, is about the joy. So, yeah. Anyway, I mean, you know, is Jasmine Guillory dancing on TikTok because she feels like she has to or because she wants to? It's because she wants to. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's, you know, you're there. Some degree of this never, never, ever goes away. And I guess the alternative would be the sort of multi-state book tour that people used to do that some people still do that. So that is the thing I'm not really doing. I will again, I will put in the show notes. Um where you can see me, because I'm doing a couple of things, 
but I did not, my vow this time was not to ask any bookstores to host me. Um, and I almost kept that vow. I did end up asking one and we'll see if I deeply, deeply regret it. But um, I'm only going to places that are excited to have me and know that they can get people in. I got a bunch of virtual events. So if anybody wants to come and hear about playing the witch card or writing, you know, adding a much bigger touch of paranormal to your work. Chicken Sisters had ghosts in it, uh, or one ghost, um, but only a tiny, tiny, like no one would, you're not going to classify that as like paranormal women's fiction or something. This one, obviously, all the, all the magic and witchcraft and ghost-esque creatures. Plus, it has um, a great cover. It's pretty, and your nails have been looking fantastic because you've been matching to me. your cover lately, and they, yes. they look great, so... My UK well, think, cover is also super pretty. Cool. I have. I. I think I saw a text early on about it, and uh, and I, I remember so, liking it. I know that we are kind of at our max. I just want to talk about a couple of other fun things. Yeah. So I like to do one like fun, um, something for me for every book. So for in her boots, I got a pair of boots. Yay! For this one, the in the uh, part of the plot of the of in her witch card in her witch card. <laughs> In her witch card sisters, which is a, a mashup of all of my books now. Part of the plot of playing the witch card is that my character sets out to bake some innocent Halloween cookies and is unfortunately essentially possessed by the family demon, woo, and bakes tarot card cookies instead, which is absolutely the last thing that she wants to do because there's nothing she hates in life more than tarot cards for excellent reason. But here she is with these um, tarot cards and that are cookies. And they become a thing, and she has to continue to create them. So I found I am an excellent baker and froster of cookies myself. You but are. I found someone way more talented, and she made cookies that are exactly, I mean, I don't even know if Flair thought her cookies could look this good. They are amazing. So that That's was my time treat to investment. myself. That's yeah, a that was my investment. treat to myself was to get someone to do that. So I will put a picture of those wonderful things in the show notes. Although if you are following me on social media, as you should be, um, it's at KJDA on Instagram and at KJ Reads and Writes on TikTok, you will have seen them because <laughs> these things, this is like solving my content problem for, um, you know, the rest of the next six months. That's so. one of my favorite things about um, Instagram book stuff is the... Especially when I see people take Serena's books and put them on a table and mm. have artful things around and create yeah. some beautiful thing with the book. I love watching people do that. I think it that's why that fun. book pie lady is kind of fun because she makes pies. I don't know if she's still out there doing this. but well, uh, so here the- is an interesting thing about book pie lady. Okay. Oh, no. Book pie? No, no, it's not a bad. It's well, it's oh, okay. kind of, I don't know what it is. We, no, no, it's not. Okay. She, she's a bad. No. Uh, no, her name. She's Pie Lady Books at Pie Lady Books on Instagram, and it started out with her making pies for books that she loved, and then after a little while, she started to do it for books she loved and that people sort of encouraged her to. Now you can pay her, and uh, the result has been that I, they're not. Books like it used to kind of be like mm-hmm. I, I would have an idea of what the book was based on the fact that she did a cover for it mm-hmm. because she was doing what she liked. Now she's doing what she gets paid for, which hey, the person who made yeah. these cookies yeah. and she should yeah. get paid. But it has really made like it's it's kind of changed the way I feel about the account, um, which is 
kind of unfair because she should make money from her art because everyone should make money from their art. And yet I can't realize. Anyway, so now it's become more like here's a list. Here is a really beautiful representation of covers. Um, but it is a little different. It is a lot different, actually. It's pretty clear that they're not. It's a very different kind of book. Because I thought about that. I was like, do I need a pie? And I decided I did not. I needed cookies. Okay. All so, right. Yeah. So besides your cookies, is there anything else you want to cover that you need uh, us to be thinking about to help you with your, your book <laughs> launch? I would love for everyone to please go buy at least one copy of Playing the Witch Card. Possibly two. You will like it. It is very entertaining. Your sister will also like it. Your teenager might very well like it, which is unusual for me, but everyone keeps saying they're handing it to their teenager, and there's a funny teenager in the book. So go buy it. Go share it. Go talk about it. Please, 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 if we've given you anything, I would love for you to to um to pick this one up. I also feel like I didn't really cover... At some point, I will do a more organized list of of what I did and when I did it. And um, that hopefully would be a little more helpful for someone who is launching a book. But right now you're kind of getting mid-book launch chaos. So thanks for being here for it. We'll come back like we like we've done with Mary Laura Philpot in the past. We'll come back in like, you know, a couple months out and we'll talk about what went well, what didn't go well, what you'd do again, what that sort of stuff. So we'll we'll uh, do the debriefing after the fact. Um, for now, though, we'll take a quick uh, break before we talk about what we've been reading. If your fall could use a little witchy reading fun, you should hop online or over to your favorite bookstore and order a copy of my latest book, Playing the Witch Card. Think grown-up Gilmore Girls meets practical magic with a family deck of troublesome tarot cards stalking a new generation. You've listened to me talk about getting the work done. Now go check out the result and pick up a copy for a friend, too. Guaranteed fall vibe, no pumpkin spice necessary. All right. I should say to the listeners that we lost Serena because um, she's not feeling very well today. So Serena, feel better. Uh, hopefully by the time this comes out, you have not been sick for weeks and weeks. All right. Um, what have you been reading, KJ? I had this exciting... Um, I went to a Barnes & Noble. I haven't been to a Barnes & Noble in ages. And I love my indie bookstore. I love it with a passion. But realistically... How often can my indie bookseller change her stock? Not that, you know, she has to sell the things and then she brings in new things and it's not a very big store. So I wanted to like have a big discovery, get a pile of books mm -hmm. today. So I went to the uh, Barnes and Noble and I just went poof, poof, poof. And my kid, one of my kids with, with, was with me and they also went poof, 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 which is kind of a surprise because they don't always get super into reading. Um, but so I left with like a whole stack of stuff that I hadn't read before. And I also met this wonderful bookseller who was like, my boss challenged me to read something I have never read before. Like I have to read outside my genre and I love nonfiction. So I chose this and I loved it so much. And I read all three of them and like, so what was it? It was Brandon Sanderson. I'm reading I, I this book. I was hoping you would talk about yeah. this because... The other day you texted about Brandon Sanderson, and I'm like, the wait a second. The man is a like master. He deserves every square foot of his underground lair. Um, <laughs> 
it's a wonderful book. And I the funny thing is I don't know that had I read the back, I actually still haven't read the back cover coffee because I'm reading the actual book. Um, I haven't finished it, but I don't have a whole lot of doubt that he's going to, A, he's going to stick the landing. B, not everyone is going to survive because there's a large crew of people in this book and there's no way they're all going to make it. So now I can't read it at bedtime anymore because the minute I pick this back up, I'm going to have to feed, read the whole thing. So it's going to, I don't know, I'm saving it for the weekend or something. Anyway, I love it. It's really good. But I think if I'd read the back cover copy, which is probably something along the lines of, you know, in a dystopian futuristic world, <laughs> two assorted, very different people come together to use their magic to defeat the, the bad person. I would have kind of been like, yeah, I read that. I've read that you know, I, I started with Tolkien and I've been reading it ever since. Um, and I love it, but I don't, I don't know that I'm going to, there would, I don't know that it would have compelled me to pick it up without the, the emphatic recommendation. Right. And she was right, man. It isn't the, the, it's not the story. It's the relationships. It's the world. It's the characters. It's the, it's the execution. The execution is just sublime. So that's what I've and been I have never read a word of Brandon Sanderson, so now I'm gonna have to try. Are these like doorstop books? Or no, are they No. Okay. It's actually right. a pretty normal size. I mean apparently and there are two more, but everyone says the great thing about this one is it's it's basically a standalone. I mean I'll let you know okay. when I finish. That's but, the other um, thing is, is really when someone joy. when someone has as many books as someone like a Brandon Sanderson or a Stephen King, whoever, where do you start? You're like, where do you start? Well, you know, and, and I've done like for certain authors that have a lot, a lot, a lot of books, sometimes I'll Google like, what are the best XYZ books? And, um, and sometimes you can get some guidance there, but that's exciting. Plus, you know, Brandon Sanderson has been doing some really interesting things the past couple of years. And it's <laughs> he's nice that to kill, put, he's the Kickstarter. He's, he's the, the Kickstarter. 40, millions, 40, I looked millions. it up, $41 million of Kickstarter for four books. And I get it. I mean, I hadn't, read it and I did yeah. not kickstarter him but I'm sure I'll I don't know. I mean, will I read everything he's ever written? I'm not I'm not young. So <laughs> <laughs> I love that I, don't, I love I that we know. have to talk about our lifespan when considering <laughs> reading someone's <laughs> All right. Well, I have a lot of books out there. <laughs> I'm actually reading a book that, um, you know, sometimes you have those piles of books that you've been meaning to read for a while and then you're like, okay, well, I'm going to go in. So I um, picked up Adam Grant's Think Again, um, a little bit for the research to see if it's applicable to what I'm possibly writing about, but also because I like, there are certain, this is also one of the voices of synthesis of various ideas kind of thing. And I like it because this book is about the power of knowing what you don't know. You know, in education, we talk about the fact that we as a species are not very good at what's called metacognition, which is knowing the limitations of our own knowing. And I love that topic. Like, how do you help someone know what they don't know or be able to judge what they don't know and take advantage of that? And it's, I have to say, he did a really beautiful job with this book, Think Again. I really am enjoying it a lot. He has another book coming out this fall, but I don't yep. remember what it's called. Yeah, I don't remember either. But Another um, person in the crowded fall. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, but, I, you know, hardly uh, Adam Grant never disappoints me. I mean, in terms of his books, um, mm -hmm. I think he just, he does, he's one of those people that does what I love so much, which is that idea synthesis and connection making and... Um, it tends to cross genres, and that's lovely because you have more readers when you cross genres. Yeah, no, he does what he does. He does it really well. 
Um, yeah. You know, breaking new ground, probably not, uh, but uh, really synthesizing, like you said, the ground that has already been broken and pulling together and giving it to you in a way that is uh, fun to read and entertaining and interesting and educational. Yep, he's got that. Yep. That's yep. his thing. Yep. All right. Well, um, thank you, readers. And I hope you forgive me for breaking my summer plans. Um, but the heart <laughs> wants what the heart wants. And the heart wants some nonfiction. So I love are. it. All right. Good Until thing. next week, everyone, keep your butt in the chair and your head in the game. The Hashtag Am Writing podcast is produced by Andrew Perella. Our intro music, aptly titled Unemployed Monday, was written and played by Max Cohen. Andrew and Max were paid for their time and their creative output because everyone deserves to be paid for their work.